Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck extracted me from my vehicle, and there wasn't a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you tonight. Uh, With a heavy heart, I do the show today. Woke up this morning hearing about the shootings that went on down down in Baton Rouge, and um, it's terrible. You know, we just had the shootings in Texas. We had the thing over in France. We had Turkey's government almost got overturned. It's been a hell of a week. Uh, I I just can't. I'm, I'm... I, I really think this world's gone mad. I think people have gone nuts. I think people are crazy. This is madness. I just, I'm sorry, you guys. Just with a heavy heart, I do the show today. I guess what I'll say is I, uh, my thoughts and my prayers go out to the community in Texas, Baton Rouge, uh, France. I mean, God, I, I shouldn't have to name off so many places. It's, um,. And my hearts go out to the families in Baton Rouge, the fallen police officers. I know there's one, as you hear this broadcast right now, there's one police officer fighting for his life. And um, it's got to stop. I mean, it's, this is madness. This is complete madness. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I um, I know you guys aren't here for this. I, I know you guys aren't here to, to listen to this, but I feel like... I guess what I'll say is I, my thoughts, my prayers go out to the families. Uh, let's ask God to take care of our our uh, fallen police officers and uh, watch over the ones that uh, are there to protect us. Focus, West. focus. Let's, uh, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, please go to the website, check out the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. If you enjoy the show, please become a member, help support the show. Let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome Greg to the show. Greg, thanks for coming on tonight. Yes, thanks for having me. And if you would, kind of start from the beginning. I mean, I I got your email about your family's encounters, and I probably read it three or four times. I was fascinated by it. If you would, kind of start from the beginning. When did your... Your mom and talked to you about what was going on around the property, and when did all that start? Um, that the year that that took place 
was she was 14, so it would have been 1958. Uh, the first time I heard the story, it was, I was probably six or seven. We, had, we used to periodically go to the movies, and I saw the ad for the movie Sasquatch, and she was uh, she took me. And uh, right after that movie is when she told me the story that she had never put two and two together until she saw that movie and, and uh, was able to kind of go, you know, that's what I saw. She goes, it's kind of weird. It dawned on me after all these years. It was something she had kind of put in the back of her mind. I always enjoyed hearing her tell the tale. And what was the story? What did she tell you? Well, the story the story was uh, they lived in Elkhorn City, Kentucky. This is southeastern Kentucky, uh, very near to Virginia. Uh, there's a place there called the Breaks, where it's a line between Virginia and Kentucky. It's like the Grand Canyon of the East, they call it. Um, very mountainous area. Small little mountain towns, uh, like you see on TV a lot. Um, close-knit neighborhoods, like a, um, houses are few and far between, but everybody knew each other through church and school. Everybody went to the same school. Um, she lived across the road from a little general store, and a lot of the teenage kids would sit over there and talk. And it was, it was an afternoon during the summer. They had uh, walked over to the store to get a bottle of pop, her and my aunt, my aunt being older than her. I think my aunt was 17 at the time. They went in and got a bottle of pop, came out and sat down on the bench outside the store. And we're talking and looking across the road back at their house. And behind the house, the mountain range came down right to their backyard. The backyard is probably no more than 10 to 12 feet from where the hill started going up into the mountains. Um, very wooded area. A lot of cut roads through the mountain area to get to the other homes, uh, homemade roads, what they call hollers down there. Behind the house was an old field where my great-grandmother used to have sheep. It was like a saddle between the peaks, so it would be like an open meadow with lots of trees and brush on either side. While sitting there, she noticed what she thought was somebody walking at the top end of the pasture, the old sheep pasture. And there was a trail up there that followed along probably 80 to 100 yards away when she first saw someone, as she put it, walking. She really didn't pay much attention. She thought it might have been one of the neighbor kids out going for a walk or something. And uh, <clears throat> she put her head down and talked a little bit more. And when she looked up, this figure was on the a little closer now, and it was on a road going along the top of the ridge. She started thinking when she told me that the person had really long hair from where she was sitting. She thought, well, I'm, I'm, you didn't see people with long hair back then. Everybody had short-cut hair. And she was looking, and then she noticed that the hair covered this figure's body. And she looked closer, and it really scared her what she saw. So she let out a scream, and my aunt's like, what are you screaming about? And she... uh she said, look up there on the, on the sheep trail, on the road. And it was, and right when she had screamed, it stopped and was looking at them. And like I say, 80 to 100 yards away. My aunt saw it and says, what is that? I, I, what is that thing? And they're going back and forth. So my aunt runs into the store and tells the store owner to please come outside and look at this thing. And he comes out and looks and very, I guess you should say he's a very boisterous, boisterous, excited guy. You know, I don't know what that GD thing is. It's some kind of wild man. So it had hunkered down and was watching them while they were watching it. And then after they stood and pointed a few times and watched it, she said maybe two or three minutes, it stood back up and continued walking out the ridge. It didn't run. It just walked for and would turn and looked back at them every so often. They could see it as far as it went, and it got into deeper timber to where they couldn't see it anymore. Did she describe the length of the hair and, and kind of what, was it long all over the body, or how did she describe it? She described the hair on the head being like to the shoulders, but it had a face, but she couldn't make out any details of the face, but she could see that the face did not have hair on it. And she said that it, 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 she couldn't tell about a neck or anything, but 
the rest of the body, she said it just looked like it was like it was wearing a, a the way she described it, like a dark brown or black suit. It was entirely covered. It, she could see no other uh, skin showing except for the face. From that far away, she couldn't tell ears or anything like that, but she could tell that the face was not covered in hair, and, but it did hang down on its shoulders. I always asked her about, well, recently, when I after I contacted you, I had her refresh me a little bit about it. I asked her about how tall she thought it was. My uncle, her brother, was 6'2", and she said it was an easy a foot or more taller than him. That's what the, the store owner had talked to her about, that how big it was, wide and tall. And that's interesting, too, kind of that she's describing kind of that mop on the head that a lot of witnesses talk about. And if it would have been a person, I don't know that it would have really shook them up, especially being country people. I, I don't know that it really would have shook, shook them up. No, no. And that, that's the thing. They, the, the people were friendlier back then. They would see a stranger and say hello, you know, but uh, they, it, it wasn't anything like that. It shook all of them up pretty good. It shook them up to the point that they didn't want to leave the store until my grandpa got home from work. So they sat there with the store owner until he got home and just... They didn't want to walk across the road, even though the house is in sight. Even though they saw it walk away, she said it scared them so bad. Yeah, I can imagine. Incidents prior to that that were mysterious to them was um, my grandma would leave the doors open on the house. She would make, they had, they had 12 kids in the family, so breakfast were a big thing. She had to cook for everybody. She would have leftover biscuits and a pan in the oven. And she would periodically walk up to my great-grandma's house to help her out as she was older. She comes home one day and finds the oven door open and the biscuit pan laid crossways on the door and a lot of the biscuits missing. So she thought one of the kids had done it. So she questioned all of them and none of them were around to, to like, confess to the crime. <laughs> you know, She was accusing everyone of doing it, but they, they hadn't been the ones doing it. And um, she never thought anything about it. And then a few days later, it happens again. And this time, she's sure no one's around because all the kids were gone off somewhere else. And my grandpa was actually staying. He was a coal miner, so he would actually stay at the mining houses. And they would come home on the weekends because it was so far to come back and forth from where the coal mine was at. And she knew it wasn't him. And uh, she... I gotten in contact with him. She had sent one of my uncles to the, the mining camp and told him what happened. And uh, he told her, start locking the door while you're gone because don't know who or what, you know, was around doing that. Don't want to know why she, and she, like she said, anybody that was hungry, she'd offer him to take him in and feed him. But to come in the house like that, it was really a mystery to her. And that was one thing. This was prior to the sighting. One other incident that happened there, uh, my grandfather had a smokehouse, and he would butcher hogs during the fall to have meat during the winter. This was, I mean, you had to have a lot of money to have a refrigeration system back then, and yeah. they were pretty poor. So they had the smokehouse where they kept meat all winter and would go out and get what they needed and bring it in. And he started noticing lots of pork missing, like whole hams and I guess that's like the whole leg, the way she describes it to me, hanging that would be gone out of the smokehouse. He was trying to keep an eye on that, and one night the uh, they had a chicken coop, and the chickens were really cutting up a ruckus. It was around 10.30, 11 o'clock. She said she remembers the time because they were all just sitting around talking, and it was pretty late, and they thought, well, what's causing that? Well, once in a while you'd have uh, like bobcats or a wildcat, they called them would come around and they'd have to shoot them or what are stray dogs, well, a lot of wild dogs. At that point, my father was dating my mother at that point. They were just kids. And he, uh, my grandfather, I couldn't, he says, I guess, I don't know what's causing the noise. I got to go to bed because I got to head to mine camp in the morning. And, and my dad goes, well, I'll go out and check it out. And my grandma's little dog was just going nuts, but he wouldn't go outside. But he's going to shoot him out there and have him chase off whatever it was. It was he had a little terrier. And he wouldn't go outside. So my dad went out with the flashlight and would shine the light around. He didn't see anything near the, near the coop. 
But when he, there was a sassafras tree growing next to the chicken coop, next to the fence part, and he happened to shine the light on it, and the there were scratches in the bark. And she told me it was probably about a half inch wide, and spacing between them was about an, an inch, like something had clawed the tree. And she said it was way above where my dad could reach. So it was above eight feet where it started and came down to about his chest level. Um, my dad was probably five eight, five nine. So I was trying to gauge that the other night about how far it would be. So probably four feet of four to five feet of scratches in this tree. And my dad found that very odd because they weren't like sharp nail scratches. They were like wide, almost like chisel like, like a like a like a screwdriver edge. You know what I mean? Like a squared off scratch. Because I've seen where bears mark a tree, and you can tell where the claws hit and dig in, and it's um, there's a definite. You can tell that those claws are pointed. And this, he told me, this was not um, like that. And neighbors came from all around to look at these scratches in the tree that were next to the chicken coop. And I, a tourist didn't anybody put this two and two together about what you guys had saw on the in the meadow and on the path and all the things going on there. And she said, no, nobody, nobody heard of Bigfoot back then in 1958 in Eastern Kentucky. You didn't hear about it or a Sasquatch or anything like that. Yeah. It's interesting. They, they called it wild man. That's, that's a part that's fascinating. Right. The wild man. Yeah. Yeah. You find that in areas uh, in the South, especially in the South, they don't really have a name for it. If you look up old accounts, they'll call it the corn man, They'll call it the wild man. They'll call it, they have all these different names for it. Uh, no heads is another one, but they have all these different names for it. But it's interesting because they didn't know what Sasquatch was back then. This is 10 years before the Patterson Gimlin film. So they have really no clue what they're looking at. That's fascinating. Yes. Yes. And like she said, you didn't have media back then. You didn't have the internet to look this stuff up. They didn't have it in newspapers there, or you didn't know to look for it. It was just, you heard, you know, like the store owner said, that's some kind of wild man. Yeah, it, it always fascinated me that, and like I said, uh, I told you an email, nobody thought to go look for tracks. Nobody thought to, you didn't think about things back then, she said. You didn't think about going to look at the footprints or making a cast or anything like that. That wasn't heard of. But it's just, uh, you know, I, she, I had her retell me the tale the other night after I contacted you, same same story over again, you know, with all the details. I always enjoy hearing her tell the story. Oh yeah, I can. And, uh, I hope I hope you've I hope you've enjoyed it too. I wanted to share that with you. So, oh, I've I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I love hearing encounters prior to the Patterson Gimlin film coming out. I think they're fascinating. Did you let me ask you? Did you ever ask your mom? Was there anything else that went on and around the property that she kind of raised an eyebrow? I, or did, I, I, I have asked her that before, and she said nothing Nothing ever came to mind except for those incidents there. And then one, everything just stopped one day as far as no more getting into the chicken coop. The, the doors were locked, so there was no more access to the house. Uh, nothing like that that she knew of anybody saying anything else or anybody around town ever said anything else about it. And, she, and like she said, it was her her family and the store owner were really the only ones that knew the tale. They didn't go around spreading the story or saying anything about it. She said it actually scared her so much that when she was younger, they didn't really want to talk about it anymore, especially my aunt. My aunt didn't, she didn't want it mentioned in her presence. It it shook her up that bad. I can imagine. I can imagine. And I could, I can even remember like family reunions when I was a teenager, when I would bring it up, and my aunt would cover her ears and go, "Don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell that around me. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to remember that." And I was I always thought that was kind of funny. Well, not funny in the sense that it scared you that bad that you don't want to hear about it again. Because I, I could listen to it again today if she told me. You know, I just love the tale. So there's a real PTSD that goes on with these when when people see these things that isn't supposed to right. exist, and that's what makes me really believe your mom and your aunt and the store owner. They had that almost like PTSD afterwards. It's like, I don't even want to hear about this tale anymore. I don't even want to address this anymore. Yeah, after I talked to you, after I talked to you my objective was to get her to tell you the tale. 
but she <laughs> she didn't want to. I wanted her to tell it to you in, in her way. And she said, no, you tell it. She said, you've heard it enough to remember it, so you tell it. And I would have loved to have her tell you, you know, because uh, I've always asked her, why why didn't anybody tell it, the story? She goes, well, it just wasn't something that you you saw it. That was pretty much the end of it, you know. I said, well, you know, you'd think back then people would get, they always see the old stories, well, we're going to get together a posse and go looking for this wild man. But she said it wasn't that kind of, I mean, that would have been my first thought. Hey, I want to go look right. and see where this thing walked. But she said back then people just, after it walked away, it was gone, you leave it alone. So, yeah, it makes me think of an encounter. I just talked to a guy from Oklahoma and he was talking about his mother, almost kind of identical to your encounter. They thought the creature was coming in the house and getting food because food would come up missing. And the reason why they thought it was a creature, the part that's fascinating, there was a 18 inch track in the middle of their kitchen floor. It was a muddy human like footprint. Right oh, wow. Floor. But they had noticed that food was coming up missing, and they didn't lock their doors. I think this happened back in the 60s. They didn't lock their doors or anything, and there's this human, human-like human muddy foot track right in the middle of their kitchen. They they knew at that point it was coming in. And the other fascinating part is they called it the wild man, too. Uh, it was his grandmother that was telling him the story, and she said the wild man would come in and take food uh, from their home, and it's just... It, odd you know because nowadays we have a whole different mentality you know if i found a muddy mm-hmm. footprint in my kitchen floor you can best guarantee someone's going to eat a bullet the next time they come in the house right <laughs> but back back then it was like they just kind of didn't really know what they're dealing with and just kind of brushed it off it fascinates me oh exactly yeah it's uh, just the uh like i was telling you it's a different time people didn't uh didn't lock their doors until something like that happened and then I guess, like they figured, lock the door problem solved. Yeah. No need to go any further with it. So, where I would, you and I would want to see what's coming in the house. I'm going to wait for it, you know. But is that what kind of fascinated you about this topic? Is your own mother that story? Done? Yeah. Yes. After after seeing that movie, and then, you know, when you're a kid, you think, "Oh wow, you know, look at this. These guys are out hunting for Bigfoot or whatever. So it's a Sasquatch." And then she, at right after the movie tell you a tale such as this and you're like man it's it there's an experience right here close to my own family i didn't have to get on horses to go find that you know what i mean like after you see the movie you're like i didn't have to go on an expedition i got a story right here that's really awesome that i have you know and i can keep for the rest of my life this tale and uh yeah that's that's got me into pretty much got me into being an amateur as as far as looking up stuff and studying it and reading reports and things like that. You got to watch what you read though. So that's yeah. where I've learned that too. Um, well, we're, not, we're all amateurs yeah, at the end uh, of the day, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. But then you, you can actually tell after a while what's credible and what isn't. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on and, and sharing it. Like I said, I, I loved reading it. I thought it was fascinating and I, and it's interesting to people from Kentucky I wish I could get more people from Kentucky to come on because I think there's more going on in that general location, that general region than what we hear about. People down in the South, for some reason, they're kind of hush-hush about this. And generally, those are the people that have the best stories. Yeah. And that, I think that shows you sometimes that that is uh, a lot of those stories are credible because they don't tell anybody and they kind of figure what's to be gained from lying about something or what's to be gained from even telling anybody the story. So they keep it. It's like a family knit story. You know what I mean? It doesn't get out. So that's, that's what usually gives you leads credence to that there. It's actually a good true story. Well, Greg, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yay. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And keep up the good work with the show. I enjoy listening to the, I, I listen a lot on YouTube, so I will continue. I'm trying to get caught up on all of <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. You're welcome. I want to welcome uh, Robin to the show. Robin, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And if you would, just kind of start from the beginning. I know your, your dad's going to be coming on shortly to talk about his encounters, but you had a really recent uh, experience with one of these creatures. If you would, kind of start from the beginning. Tell us what you were out doing and tell us what you what you saw, what you experienced. 
Okay. Um, we live in southern Missouri. One of my daughter's friends has been friends with her for several years. Um, she's 27, and um, she was riding with me, and we were um, leaving my parents' house and heading back into the town that I live, lived in and um, at the time. And we got about four miles out um, from my where my parents live, and um, we were going down the highway. And um, at the time, I drove a 1999 Grand Marquis, and the lights pretty well covered the road. We um, come upon um, something standing on the side of the road down in, in the ditch, I kind of saw it before the lights hit it, and then once the lights hit it, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is that? And um, my daughter's friend, she's like, I don't know, but it's huge. I'm like, oh, my, what is that, Tina? And she's like, I don't know. It's it's huge, though. You know, we got a good view of it. It was Its back was facing towards the road, and it looked like it was looking down into the the ditch that it was standing in, um, you could just barely see the neck, but we saw the shoulders, which were a good four feet or so across. And we saw the right arm, and it was about as big as a, a good-sized man's thigh. And the color of it was like the skin was like charcoal gray. The hair was like pretty scarce, like it, like it had mange. I, I know I've heard that before, but I mean, that's really what it looked like, a, a bad case of it. And, and the hair was like a tannish auburn color, sparsely on it. And we could see the waist real clearly. I'd say it was probably about three feet wide. And it went from the waist up to its shoulders and it, like a V shape. It was just, it was just huge. And when we drove by, we thought it was squatting, but we didn't know how deep the ditch was. When we got past it, I said, um, should we stop? And, and she's like, no, no, um, I'm going to pee myself. <laughs> and then um, I, I said, should we turn around? And she's like, no, no, really, I'm not joking. <laughs> so we, I noticed the uh, mile marker, and I told her to call my dad. And we let him know. And a little later, we conference called with my brother, and he told us to go back the next day and look for evidence. So while I was at work on Monday, um, Tina left to go back to northern Missouri, where she, where she lives. And my dad went out at the mile marker that we had told him. But I, I thought I had told him it would be a bit north of that, but I must have not in the excitement. We were pretty excited and nervous and <laughs> a lot of emotions going on. And it, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and so he texted me at work and told me to call him on his, on my break. So I called him and he said, I'm not finding anything. Um, are you sure it was that? And I said, well, dad, I told you know, it's a little north of that. And so he said, well, my, your mom and I will pick you up um, after work and we'll go look. And so we end up driving by and I said, right there. And he goes, well, he said, that's further north than what I, and I said, well, you know, we were talking and carrying on. I said, you know, we missed the mile markers. <laughs> and so we went back and um, we went down into the, the ditch. We were looking around and there was torn up trash and stuff down in there. We found a few um, footprints in the mud, and I sent you pictures of the one that was um, had the definition of the toes and the and the heel marking, and and the um, we measured it at 18 inches long and um, eight inches across, and then there was a few others where you could see where the rocks were smashed down into the mud. But really, there was no definition to them. You just see the size of of what had stepped on that. When you went down into the ditch, how far down was it? I mean, what was your estimation on how tall this thing was? Well, my dad um, had me go up to where 
we first caught sight of it um, by this road sign. And then he took a um, the tape measure, raised it up until I figured, you know, where it would have been at. And we measured about eight feet. As you went by the creature, did it make any movements towards you or did it look your way or do any, or was it just focused on whatever was below? It was just focused on whatever it was looking at. It didn't even move. I mean, it, it was almost like when the lights hit it, like it went as still as a tree. I mean, it, it was just like, it was almost like a, a purpose because before the lights hit it, I thought I had caught m- movement. And then I was like, what's that? And then the lights hit it and it was like, it was, still and you know and we went by and so i think i think it with the trash that we saw there i think it was rummaging maybe for food or something in that because it looked like um fast food sacks that were down in that ditch yeah that's interesting what did uh what did your daughter's friend say what did she think it was she she after she settled down she was like oh my gosh I have finally seen a Bigfoot. (laughs) She said um, that her dad had told her a story of him seeing one when he was younger, when he worked for a farmer. So she was pretty excited that she had probably seen one as well, and she couldn't wait to tell him. (laughs) I mean, um, it was just just a huge creature, and and it was not a bear. Was not a bear. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think bear... Bears even get to be that size out there in uh, Missouri, do they? No. I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't. No, I don't think so. That would have been, you know, the size of uh, four feet across in the shoulders, which is what a lot of witnesses report. You're talking a little bit bigger than a grizzly bear. You know, and animals don't just stand still. And, you know, for the most part, predators will move out of the way, especially if a car is coming or... You know, so that's interesting, too, that it didn't move. It, it chose to kind of stand still. Kind of reminds me of an encounter or a person that recorded one going down the road. And the moment the lights hit this thing, you can kind of like how you described it, Robin. You can kind of see this thing moving. The moment the lights hit it, it just freezes. It plays like freeze tag. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this seemed like. And and we there was like two cars behind us. Uh, you know, we could see the lights. It was nine, around 9.30 at night, so it was dark. And I told Tina, I said, wouldn't that be something if we could talk to those people <laughs> and, and see, you know, what they say, you know, they saw? Because I know they had to see it because, I mean, they weren't that far behind us. So, yeah, I mean, unless it, after our lights, you know, went off of it, it went up the ridge. But I don't know. Um, I, I would think they would have caught it moving up the ridge. Yeah, what was going through your mind when he saw it? I mean, this is the first time you've ever seen something like this. Uh, obviously, you probably heard stories. I know your dad had encounters, but what did you think actually seeing it? Um, I, I kind of laughed, and I told I told Tina, I said that that was so scary. I said, and I said, I have always said that if I saw one, I would want to see it from my car. I said. Bucket list checked off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But. And that's, I think that's how a lot of people would rather see them in their car. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> but um, as we were, you know, we found the footprint. Um, I have a, an injured foot. So I went back up on the um, gravel shoulder of the highway and my dad decided to go up on the ridge. And he went to the north side, climbed up there, and then he walked across. And as he was walking across, I noticed um, a tree bend and two trees made into an X. And they were really tall trees. I mean, where I was standing, you could just really see them. Um, and I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm going to take pictures of that. So my dad walked by. I was waiting for him to go by. He walked by, and then he went back down the slope to where my mom was. She was looking at some deer ant- broken deer antlers she'd found that were, um, she said, pretty well cleaned. And, and so they were looking at that. So I started taking pictures of these trees, 
and didn't think anything of it, took pictures of that. And then my dad was doing the measuring, and when I took pictures of him doing that, as I was taking pictures of him doing that, uh, I heard rock clacking to my right up on the ridge. And I turned to look that direction. I didn't see anything. I took some pictures, and I didn't see anything in those pictures. But when I looked back at the pictures uh, that I was taking of my dad doing the tape measure um, measuring where we could get size and things, it looked like beside a tree above his head up on the ridge, it looked like there was a face there. And then after the rock clacking, the face was gone. Later that night, my dad called me up and said that the, the picture of the tree bend and the X that I had taken, there was something in the picture. And I was like, what? You know, and, and I couldn't see what he was talking about. So he um, came into my house and, and showed me, and I sent that picture to you. And it looks like there is um, a creature in front of a tree squatted down and looking right at me while I'm taking the pictures of those tr the tree bend and the X. And I didn't even notice it when I was taking the pictures. That's interesting. Do you mind if I post those pictures under this episode? That'd be fine. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's creepy. Have you guys gone back to that spot to see if the figure is still there? Well, the pictures that I had taken, my daughter and son-in-law stopped there, and I took some pictures. They walked up there, and I took pictures, and there was nothing there. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, I drive, we drive by it every day. <laughs> I'm always looking up there to see if I can <laughs> catch a glimpse of something. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's an, it's an interesting encounter, especially uh, your brother's right. It's really cool that you guys went back. Very few people ever go back because generally they don't want to. That's cool of your, you know, your brother to say, hey, go back and try and find evidence of the encounter. Well, I have to tell you, I was, when dad called me and said, you know, I'm going to pick you up before we can go there, my stomach just started flip-flopping. I was really nervous. <laughs> I was like, now it's during the day and you're, you know, it's going to be okay. But I was still very nervous. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And that's, I think that's why most people don't go back to where they had their encounter because it's, they don't want to. They're afraid they'll run into it again. or uh, and, and that's a huge creature, four feet across, and you said about eight feet tall. Uh, that's, a, that's a big boy. That's a, definitely a big boy. I think it's interesting you mentioned the gray skin. A lot of witnesses I've had on lately talk about the gray skin, seeing almost like leather type of skin, but it's gray. Yeah, it was, it was really strange. I always, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard people say that on different podcasts that I listen to because I'm interested in the subject and um and but i just figured the more likely you would see something more covered in fur so it kind of it, that surprised me seeing that and then the one that i took the picture of is actually covered all covered in a brown fur i'm really glad that you were in your car at the time and and there was no danger you were just passing it <laughs> i think that's the encounter we all wish for you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, and when I was asking, Tina, do you, should we stop? Should we turn around? I myself was thinking, no, no, and I was probably pretty glad that she said no. <laughs> but it, it, still, I, you know, it was the surprise, and and it was scary, and just I don't know, it was just a whirlwind. I'm I'm glad I saw one because now when. I say I believe in them. I know that there is something that I am believing in. Definitely seeing is believing. Robin, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the encounter very much. It's a cool encounter. Like I said, it's the encounter all of us want. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you. And and um, I really enjoy your show, and, and I appreciate what the information you get out there for people. I think it's important. The other day I was listening to your show and you said something about retirement. I almost went into a panic and then you said it was the poker game. And I was like, like, oh, that was mean. <laughs> so I'm glad it wasn't from the podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that that's still going. Yeah, no, thank you. And 
I appreciate you uh, listening. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. You have a good evening, okay? And I'll, I'll let you speak to my father. Hello. Bob, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. And if you would, you had two encounters. Would you mind starting with the very first one when you were younger and a young man and with your friend as you and I were talking right before we went on air? Kind of tell us what you were doing and what you ran into. This is uh, uh, a long time ago. And uh matter of fact, uh, it was 54 to 56 years ago. My younger brother and I were camping out on a river on our uh, dad's farm. We camped out all the time. It was late. It was probably one or two in the morning. And we was down by the river and had a fire going. We had two dogs with us. These were literally junkyard dogs. One weighed about 120 pounds, and the other weighed 149 pounds. They was half boxer, half German shepherd. They were brothers. Anyway, we was uh, getting ready to lay down, go to bed, and we had been down on the river for probably three days camping out, and we'd just go back to the house, do our chores and everything we had to do. Then we'd go back to our campsite. And the only thing we had with us was a paring knife, cut up the potatoes. But anyway, uh, that night we was uh, getting ready to get in our blankets, go to bed. A big rock about the size probably twice the size of a softball hit in our campsite and rode right up to the fire. The interesting thing about this was there's no rocks like that in that area. So we jumped up. The dogs started growling real low and came up next to me and my younger brother and wouldn't leave our side no matter what. We even tried to sick them on whoever or whatever was over there, and they would not do that. Normally, they were more than willing. What did you think it was? We had no idea. Uh, we had, at that time, we had, we thought at that time that it uh, was somebody that saw our campfire, had been walking down the river, and decided to harass us. We decided we didn't even have flashlights back them days. I mean, we didn't. We was pretty poor. So we decided to go to the house. So we started walking north, and on the left was bean field. On the right was like a 20-foot fence row that was full of brush. And we could, uh, we would walk. We was almost stumbling over the dogs. They were so close to us. You've got to remember, these dogs have run people out of the old salvage yard that my dad owned. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't your lap dogs. Yeah, these aren't the dogs you want to mess around with. No, uh, they was very good dogs. But we could hear whatever it was walking on the other side of the uh, brush in our neighbor's uh, field. We would stop. It would stop. And it, we'd stop, and it'd take like a step. We could hear like a step, and then it would stop. It did that all the way to the old abandoned railroad track that we had to cross, which was total brush, and it was like a tunnel. And we knew we had to get across that. Well, we got to that, and let's say that we kind of hurried to get through that overgrown tunnel area across the tracks. Then we had bean fields and pasture on our right side and with a fence row that was about 20 foot thick on our left, still going north. Well, then we hadn't gone probably 30 yards. Then we could hear it on our left on the other side of the brush. Well, we got up to the last field that we had to cross to see 
uh, to get to the house. And Dad always left our old yard light on, which was nothing more than like a 150-watt bulb. So I told Terry, I says, if whatever is over there is going to get us, I says, it's going to get us before we get to the light. And I says, we got started cutting across the field towards the house. And I told him, I said, run. Well, he took off running. I let him get ahead probably 20, 30 yards. And I was looking back at the brush. Of course, the old yard light was behind me. And I could see the outline of the brush. And nothing come through the brush. So I spun around and took off running. The dogs were with Terry. And probably needless to say, I caught him pretty quick. And we busted in the house. Dad come running in the kitchen asking us what was going on. And we said, somebody run us out of the bottom. And we told him what happened. And he says, well, he says, that was probably some uh, some big cat. Because we had heard panthers in the past. And that's all he said. But, you know, after, shoot, I didn't really pay much attention to uh, these Bigfoot sightings and everything until about maybe 10 years ago. And my younger brother and I, we were talking. He he doesn't believe. He's just one of them guys that uh, one would have to swat him upside the head before he'd believe it. And I was telling him, I says, you know, I says, all them years when we was down there on the, when we camped on the river, I says, in all these years, Dad told us it was a panther. He goes, yeah. I says, when have you ever seen a panther throw a, a round rock that's twice the size of a softball? I says, it wasn't a panther, and I said, that rock had to come from a long ways off. Uh, the very next night, we was camping out on the uh, river again, but we couldn't, uh, to this day, I cannot remember if that rock was there or not. I just can't remember. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, there's really only, if you don't believe in Bigfoot, then the only thing that can throw rocks is humans. You know well as well as I do, you don't throw rocks into someone's camp. That's a great way to get shot. You know, there's just nothing else that throws rocks. I can't imagine some guy out there just tossing... Uh, panthers don't throw rocks. You and I both know that. But And if it was a panther, it would have ran you both down. They would have had you guys. It's not going to walk out with you. I think that those two dogs, as vicious as they was, I think they would have took on a cat. Yeah, I would agree with that. I really do. You know, especially protecting us. Interesting enough, that was just one of the very few times that Terry and I, my younger brother, didn't carry our 22 single shots with us. <laughs> yeah. It was just unusual. Yeah, dogs that size, especially what you're talking about, and that breed too. They're going to run down a cat. That's what I always worry about with my pit bull. If I come across a cougar, even though he's a, you know, he's a sweet dog, I think he'd run down a cougar in a heartbeat and probably not even think twice about it. Well, these dogs had run down people before <laughs> that were trespassing. So, uh, and run them off. So I don't think these two guys would have had any problems with a cat. I just don't especially trying to protect us. I would agree with you on that, Bob. And you had an encounter a couple of years back, didn't you? Just a couple of years ago, you had another encounter? Yeah, I was uh, driving for a trucking company. They had us get off the interstate to do this shortcut. And we're going through some uh, small towns. This was south, southwest of Cleveland, Ohio. I was driving late at night. It was probably... Between two and four in the morning, 
and they had just repaired the road, resurfaced it, and the only thing in the road was reflectors down the center. No side, no side lines on the side at all. It was going through, had just left a small town, and I'm driving on this road, and I was only doing like 45 mile an hour because it was one of those moonless, just one of the moonless dark nights. So I'm moving along there and went through a group of trees, had my lights uh, on uh, bright, but I put them back on dims because I could see the pavement better, the edge of the pavement better. We go through this group of trees. There's a field on the right. I noticed open space on the left, and then I seen a farmhouse and a barn, and it was on the left. No lights, no security lights, nothing. The place was pitch black. And I noticed that, got my eyes back on the road, and then all of a sudden I seen, because I'm always looking for deer, cows, whatever, on the highway, people. So I'm always watching. And all of a sudden I seen something coming from the left, and it was just, just out of the the headlights, and it was moving tremendously fast, and it cut just across the right corner of the headlights, across the pavement, and it was like it was angled towards the truck, and it stopped, and I was looking for eye shine or something, but all I could make out was. I couldn't make out its legs, arms, or whatever. All I could see was the bulk of the body. And I would say it was from three and a half, four foot wide, and probably that or better up and down. And it had a kind of grayish, reddish color to it. And it looked real, the hair wasn't like fur it was long and straggly and it 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 looked i thought mangy is what i thought but no eye shine was it on all fours bob or was it up on two legs it was on two legs whatever it was and uh i was expecting i was expecting a horse because how fast it was moving I, i used to hunt deer all the time. I've even shot and wounded one that moved so quick. This was as quick as or quicker than that, how it got across that road. I let off the fuel. As soon as I seen it on the left, I let off the fuel because I was going to hit the brakes. But when it cleared the road, I didn't hit the brakes. I was just kind of coasting. And then when I was watching it, no eye shine or nothing, and then it went past the right window. Well, I passed; it passed out of view, out of the white, the right windshield and right window. I thought, well, was that? And I almost applied my brakes. Then I go, wait a minute. If it could move from the shoulder of that road from the left to the right and then stop that quick I decided to downshift and just go on my way. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I said I I could stop and it could be at the cab of that truck in a split second. So I just kept moving. So you see it, you're going down the highway and it, is it running down the side of the highway and then crosses the highway? Is that what happened? It seemed to me like it came between the barn and the house out of that yard, across the yard, across the ditch, because that was the angle it was moving. It's like the angle between the house and the barn, and it it cut across in front of me at an angle. Oh, I got you. And which which that alone really surprised me. Uh, Normally, it's... uh, other animals that uh, I've uh, encountered have always crossed perpendicular to the road. 
and then they don't stop. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they don't stop and you run into them. That's really interesting. And so it's up on two legs. It's running. I, I would I would imagine person went out of the window out of your mind really quick on seeing this thing, how quickly it's moving. I would say to cross that highway from shoulder to shoulder, it prob it may it may have taken two steps on the pavement. It may have. I mean, this thing it was it was just like a uh it was at the very it happened so quick I didn't even have time to hit my brights. That's how quick it got across the road. I had hit them after it got across the road. That's when I hit my bright light. And I think that's the only reason I picked it up, uh, standing there with, uh, I'm presuming with its back to me. But it was still at the, right at the edge of the light. All I could make out was its bulk. And that was it. And I'd say the bulk was probably three and a half feet or more uh, off the ground because that field on that side of the road was low. It was like probably three feet lower than the highway. What did you think it was at the time? At first, I thought it was uh, uh, to move as quick as moving as quick as it was. At first, I thought it was a horse. That's the only thing that I could relate to that was that big. But then when it stopped and I couldn't see eye shine or nothing and it stopped as quick as it stopped, I seen the bulk go by the windshield. I made out kind of the reddish and the gray and the straggly long hair. It was probably behind the truck, uh, I had a 53-foot trailer on, and it was probably then, well, it was after after I decided not to stop, I said, I think I just encountered a, a Bigfoot and uh, realized I'm glad I didn't stop. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame nah. you at all. What, what did you think when Robin told you her encounter about seeing the one on the side of the road? Well, uh, after that, I started paying uh, more attention to things. I've I've hunted all my life, or just been out in the woods, and uh, I believed her when uh, her and well when Tina called, and those girls was not only uh, you could hear how scared their voices was, but how excited they was. Not excited as in a good excited, but just right, just amped uh, up. Yeah, they was they was. I told her that uh, she needed to go on go on home and not go back. And the next day, uh, we found Robin actually was the one that found the tracks. I started doing the measurements on height and width. You know, just they were just estimates. But uh, when when she actually found the tracks, where it was like eight nine inches wide, eighteen inches long, and little pieces of dry grass in the track had actually popped back up, like out of the wet mud, and it still had wet mud on these little pieces of uh, dry grass. Then it stepped uh, a couple other tracks. It actually stepped, and it looked like it in a place where there was no grass and it it pretty obvious that it had uh, disturbed the rocks and all there by pushing them down and so after that I decided to go up on what she called the ridge and see if I could see where it had come up out of off the road up the embankment and so I had walked from north to south on that ridge. and We had taken pictures already of all the footprints and everything. She took the pictures of those trees, and uh, which I didn't even know she was doing. I was up there kind of uh, tracking, looking for stuff that might be disturbed. 
because that ridge, it just drops off pretty dramatically west of the highway. So I was walking down the right-of-way up there, looking down through there and snapping some pictures with my uh, phone. Didn't see nothing. I looked at the pictures, never seen nothing. And then when I get back down there, we kind of wrapped it up, and uh, she actually had taken uh, four or five pictures of that ridge. So we kind of wrapped it up and went back to the house. Then later on that night, uh, I had her email me those pictures, and I put it on the computer. That's when I called her and said, uh, uh, hey, there's there was something up there uh, looking back at you when you were taking photographs. So we, I, I had actually went back there two more times and walked the ridge, and uh, I haven't seen or heard anything. And she heard rock clacking after it was, after she took some pictures. She asked me if I'd heard them up there, and I said, "No, I didn't. I didn't hear them." Sixty-five is pretty busy road, kind of noisy. Yeah. Well, be careful when you guys go out and you're you're searching, especially in an area like that. The thing that worries me about these creatures when they're on the side of the road like that, you know, a normal wild animal will kind of flee. Well, I don't want to say flee. You know, you got your dumb deer. They'll cross in front of you and you, you could hit one. But predators, for the most part, don't cross roads the way these things cross roads. Uh, you know, I, being a truck driver like you were, I mean, how many cougars did you see to cross a road? As you're driving up on it. I've never seen one cougar. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. It's most predators, you just won't see this type of behavior. It's almost kind of a arrogance or cockiness of these things to just kind of care less who's driving by. And that's the weird part is whenever people have encounters like, like your daughter had an encounter, that's kind of what their reaction is. These creatures, they just kind of stand there, wait until you're almost up to them, then they'll cross the road or they'll stand there. And it's such an odd, strange behavior. Uh, when did you start looking into this, Bob? When did you start get, taking an interest in Bigfoot? Well, you know, I. it's really funny. I grew up on a farm, hunting all my life. I've hunted the uh, swamps, forests in Virginia, Florida, all these different states. Never, ever have I encountered anything. If you do steel hunting like I used to do, there's every once in a while you feel like, you know, maybe I'm not here in the woods by myself. Never, ever did I think that of there could be a possible creature like that. Cougars, panthers, whatever you want to call them, black bears. Yeah, sure, that's, that's part of it. But uh, I, I didn't really start paying attention to this until probably seven, nine years ago, something like that. And I haven't, I haven't really hunted in probably 15, 16 years. You know, I actually got out and did any hunting. But uh, the problem with people are where... We're so arrogant that we think we're at the top of the food chain, and that may not be so. Yeah, no, it's definitely not so. It's definitely not so with these things. Bob, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and thanks to Robin for coming on the show. Really appreciate uh, you two sharing your encounters. Thanks so much for being here tonight. You're welcome, and we appreciate the work you do. Thanks, Bob. And again, with a heavy heart, I do the show. I'm not sure what else to say. Let's just ask God to take care of uh, the fallen law enforcement and watch over the ones who uh, protect us. Remember, they're the ones running towards the bullets as the rest of us run away from the bullets. Have a good night, everyone. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come along way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. Damn, oh no, all 
the planes we flew, good things we've been through, that I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path. I know we love to hit the road and laugh, but something told me that it wouldn't last. Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture. Those were the days, hard work forever pays. Now I see you in a better place. See you in a better place. Ah. Uh. Talk about family when family's all that we got Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side And now you gon' be with me for the last ride It's been a long day Without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it When I see you again, I see you again. We've come a long way yeah, we came a long way From where we began You know we started Oh, I'll tell you all about it When I see you again You both go out your way and the vibe is feeling strong It was small, turn to a friendship A friendship turned to a bond And that bond will never be broken The love will never get lost And when brotherhood come first Then the line will never be crossed Established it on our own When that line had to be drawn And that line is what we reach So remember me when I'm gone Talk about family when family's all that we got Everything I went through, you were standing there by my side And now you gon' be with me for the last one Let the light guide your way Yeah Hold every memory as you go And every road you take you my friend and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again we've come a long way from where we began oh I'll tell you all about it when I see you again when I see you